0: Welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, your regular dose of 20 minutes or so of thoughts of matters of the moment in and around the hotel investment space, um, brought to you by me, Chris Baum the Editor at Hotel Analyst, and Andrew Sangster, the Editorial Director of Hotel Analyst. It, we're still in results season, and we are just going to start by perusing the thoughts, comments uh, from the third quarter results of the big beast of the hotel sector, Marriott. Um, and uh, the third quarter results well they were what CEO Tony Capuano said were terrific um, he pointed to well confidently he pointed to the tailwinds he sees from uh, the increasing return of, of business travel and group demand which uh, he thinks are just going to kind of um, uh, keep on gently ebbing through the next two or three quarters and Taking the place of perhaps what might be seasonally waning leisure demand, um, which means that um, his his sector and, and Marriott in particular are are set fair for the next few quarters at the very least, um, and you know that consumer demand is still holding up on the leisure side quite well, uh, such that um, you know the the folk at, at Marriott have, have upped their their guidance for the full year, so. Uh, all looking very positive they're obviously seeing um, some some positives from their recent acquisition of um, City Express uh, in, uh, in Mexico which is a, a brand they're going to be expanding uh, into some more territories in the near future they're seeing conversions at about 30 percent of openings at the moment uh, and by and large pretty confident all around uh, obviously we we heard quite a bit from Marriott not long ago in the investor day but this was just about putting some more colour, perhaps, on uh, current performance. And uh, they see no uh, end to the upward graph.
1: Yeah, it's all about tailwinds and headwinds, isn't it, this result mm, season? It is. And um, the tailwinds are stronger than the headwinds. Everybody is saying so, um, which is good. And we've certainly got some serious headwinds. I mean, you know, geopolitics. I mean, we've got two big wars currently raging. Um, uh, as interesting, merits, um comments um, regarding the the awful situation on, in the Middle East at the moment, um, um, saying, well, look, you know, this is terrible, but it's not impacting it um, that much. It's got, uh, merit said it had 32 hotels across Israel, Lebanon, Jordan and Egypt. Um, the country's likely to be impacted, but in total, these are less than 1% of its global fees. Um, and interestingly, it says there's no meaningful impact on demand in the rest of the Middle East. Um, which is surprising, I think, given that there's been some talk, um, um, notably um, from airlines, saying there has been an impact. Um, so, Ford Keys, who collates data for the airline sector that they said um, bookings for flights in the region in the three weeks since the terrorist attacks on Israel they're down 13 percent on 2019 levels from a position um, pre the attacks where they were up 13 percent so um, that, that, that's quite a movement but uh um, Marit says it's not seeing that in terms of booking so which is interesting and I'd certainly say the the medium term picture at least is very robust for the region. Um, they've just had the uh, Dubai air show and it was announced that Emirates is buying 90 Boeing 777X's. <laughs> um, for a, uh, well, the list price is 52 billion US dollars so it's a, a chunky deal and its sister a low-cost carrier Fly Dubai has ordered 3787s. so that's um, you know a lot of commitment there I mean plus of course you've got everything that Saudis are doing in terms of airlines so there's a lot of money going in there um, to drive tourism forward so um, clearly I think the medium to long-term tailwind is is very much in that region still as well well. Um, Looking at uh, the Marriott results uh, specifically, uh, the interesting piece is uh, about this entry into the mid-scale piece. And Marriott was very keen to say this is not a pivot, we're not stopping our leadership in luxury. Um, So they they. Say they've got 175,000 rooms in total in the luxury space, which is 50% more than um, its nearest competitor, higher And this is luxury as defined in the SDR chain scale thing. And you know, we can, you know, the, some of the higher brands are upper upscale in that and perhaps overlap some of the. Luxury brands in in, in Marriott's portfolio, but that's a a different point entirely, but nonetheless um, You know, it's clear that Marriott has a very strong position there in luxury and it's been a a key part of its uh, growth plans, but it's now very much eyeing this uh, uh, Mid-scale piece now the interesting thing is is I've got my um, speculative um, um, goggles on mm-hmm. and um, had a had a look to see you know what this might mean and again if we look back to Merritt's push into luxury so what really catapulted them into that leadership position was the acquisition of Starwood um, and that's been um, a a critical uh, piece for that and it's also been prepared to use its balance sheet to uh, um, grow some of the brands within there so the Edition brand is a good example of that where it ended up buying three big lumps of real estate Um, in fact when they exited them they has one in london one in uh, uh, New York, and one in uh, Miami. Um, about eight hundred million dollars worth of of real estate there when they they sold it on to. Uh, I think it was Adio, wasn't it? Um, back in 2013 so th- that that's interesting so they're using their balance sheet for that to grow in luxury um there's less opportunity i'd suggest to to do that via real estate um one-off real estate deals uh in mid-scale they're simply you you just have to do so many of them so i don't see them actually doing it that way you 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 might see the odd sort of when they repositioned courtyard um in europe they they bought a property outside of paris to to do it up as a sort of prototype um so you might see the odd thing like that but that's pretty de minimis in you know in terms of the the balance sheet of a company like marriott i think however where you know potentially it might be a bit of m&a um -hmm. they've they've as you mentioned chris you talked about city express so and they're saying you know that the mid-scale opportunity is here in europe so you know what are they going to do um who might they buy so you know we could be cheeky suggest <laughs> that uh somebody like ihg might be uh, a great mid-scale <laughs> acquisition for marriott uh, you've got wyndham there still as well of course in play um so interestingly um Um, i looked back at you mentioned the uh um, analyst day the uh what do they call it Um, security analysts um day um that that they did um back in september or was it october anyway a couple of months ago or so i think it was september yeah um but they said uh you know that we're very disciplined um they pointed to that city express deal and an interesting number they said it, the deal costs 10 times fees 10 times what uh, city express is earning so i had a quick look at what wyndham um does and that's uh, 1.4 billion in fees in 2022 for fees and other revenues um so 10 times that uh you know that that's you know that takes it to 14 billion um mm. us dollars now uh, choice is offering less than 10 billion so that's ah, uh okay. that certainly you know puts Marriott in position to buy Wyndham well within their sort of um disciplined approach <laughs> as they call it mm. now um we'll see um but I certainly think it's uh this mid-scale piece is is going to run and run I think we have a plenty more um in the MA pipe to come
0: now if we turn to a little bit more focus on the kind of the beneficiaries of the return of the business and and meetings and events marketplace and um, turning to look particularly at, the, at what's going on in the States but uh, there's you know there's, there's Hyatt which is a bit more of an asset heavy heavy business uh, hotel business and uh, Host and Parker of course are are REITs who are hotel landlords and um, both all three rather are posting have posted uh, strong results um, and also are noting that Red Pies is continuing to grow and uh, those are beneficiaries, all three, from this important uh, tailwind of, of improving business demand. Um, uh, there, there was particularly a, a situation where they've, they've got themselves out of two hotels in their portfolio which were causing them particular problems in San Francisco and they managed to uh, effectively disassociate themselves from those two assets by... Defaulting on payments and and breaking free in the way that you can do in an American uh, marketplace. Uh, Host uh, sees continued improvement in its uh, um, business of events and uh, large meetings uh, bookings, and sees continuing tailwinds in in that space. Uh, and uh, for Hyatt, well, that, there's plenty of that too, but also they're obviously still dining out on the, um, the success of their purchase of the Apple leisure business, which uh, continues to drive uh, very strong returns for them in the leisure market space in uh, the larger resorts that they, uh, they now have part, as part of their business.
1: Yeah so that, that business travel piece is something we keep returning to um, and it's clear that the people predicting the end of business travel were wrong um, but I think you know let, let's let make a concession here and say they were right in as much as travel after the pandemic, uh, pandemic lockdowns it looks quite different to what it looked like in 2019. Mm-hmm. Marriott touched on this during its investor call um, and what they said was and we've said previously on several occasions um, smaller medium-sized enterprises that travel has come back to where it was and beyond quite quickly um, the key bit of business travel that hasn't come back as strongly is the with the larger uh, corporates now Marriott suggested you know, sustainability-driven cutbacks might be one thing that's slowing the corporates and these big corporates. It might be that they're a bit more worried about the wider macro picture as well. SMEs are much more uh, local and regionally focused. Um, These are all factors impacting that slower return of the the big corporate travel piece. Um, But, and here's the big but um, the lag in big corporate travel has been made up in stronger leisure travel um, so net travel demand um, looks pretty similar to before um, the lockdowns but um, I think the um, I mean a real benefit has been that uh, those Nights such as Sundays and Thursdays, and uh, Marriott referenced this specifically, are much stronger than they were before. Where there's been a um, sort of a slower recovery has been in those nights in the middle of the week where it's normally the the strongest demand so actually what he's done is even out hotel demand um throughout the week which is you know a, a good situation overall i'd suggest so that's really helped um it's interesting when you when you you look at Hyatt what they're talking about. Um, so they, uh, as you report, Chris, um, in their numbers, um, leisure in Q3 was 22% higher than in Q3 2019. But business transient, that bit of business travel and. Um, hotels like Hyatt which are luxury and upper upscale predominantly they're going to really be attracting the big corporate uh, traveler Um, they said this is still only at 90 percent of what was achieved in Q3 2019 Um, so this so that shows just how much that is still still lagging there but it's the leisure which has replaced that, and now we've got group coming back, and this is already up 5% on 2019. So um, we've got super strong leisure, um, group recovering to beyond where it was, and a lag with that big corporate. Um, um, But um, net-net, we are... Um, above where we were overall with travel so um, that's good news that was um, good news from Hyatt and the other thing I think which is encouraging was how optimistic Hyatt seems about um, their ability to sell the assets they've got about two billion us dollars worth of assets that they are p- promising to unload by the end of 2024 and they seem confident they're going to do it so um you know we we might see that deal <laughs> logjam fine finally breaking now we've
0: so, also so. perused the uh, third quarter results of the various uh, otas airbnb booking and expedia among them and uh, what seems intriguing from uh, uh, listening to the what the the CEOs are saying, is that the the new battleground is going to be in uh, alternative accommodation. Well of course alternative accommodation is exactly what Airbnb is all about but the problem is that uh, the tanks are coming onto their lawn from Booking and Expedia. So uh, Booking has now got uh, a third of the room nights it sells in alternative accommodation and that volume is up 24% year on year so they are looking for more alternative accommodation listings. Uh, quite aggressively. Um, You've also got Expedia who's now effectively kind of tidied up their portfolio and brought all of their uh, different tech stacks and loyalty programs under one roof so uh, obviously they've got uh, Verbo which um, has been performing very strongly but it's now going to be catapulted forward by having a combined loyalty program with the other uh, Expedia brands uh, and that is are going to provide far more opportunity for for Verbo to chase more business and I guess chase more listings too so um, Airbnb perhaps under a little bit of pressure now because um, Alternative is no longer just their game
1: Mm-hmm. um i mean the, the hope for airbnb um is that they're going to find a magic mm. new segment somewhere um which will unlock a bit of value um otherwise i you know we're, we've been quite bearish about being airbnb we think there's both uh, finally it's going to be regulation catching up with it the regulatory arbitrage they've been exploiting um since they started is is closing i wouldn't over exaggerate that but it's certainly tightening um and as you say this threat from competitors are, um, is is very much real there as well um overall the the recovery um after this um recession downturn um well enforced shutdown that we suffered during the covid lockdowns Um, it's very weird recovery um, in that it's been rate driven and demand greatly exceeded available supply Um, it was also national followed by intra-regional and then finally intercontinental travel and these are all things which you know were not in the favor of otas but in the favor of um failures um so this was a this was a challenge and it put OTAs unusually in a recovery situation um they were on the defensive Uh, however I think things are now normalizing and OTAs are beginning to recover their poise so this this kind of oh we don't need to worry about OTAs well maybe you do um um, I still think that the biggest brand owners um, are going to be able to hold their ground. They're very much more aware of the threat than they have been in previous cycles, um, and they, you know, will be ensuring that they don't get uh, caught napping. Um, I, I, but I think for independent hoteliers and in the shorter chains, OTAs are going to be the challenge. They've um, proved to be in the past and just to sort of um heap on <laughs> a keep bit going. of uh, yeah. doom and gloom about this uh, yeah um uh, i think that the whole artificial intelligence um piece is going to um come into play now i don't uh, exaggerate this one of the things with when you've had these when you have these huge fundamental shifts um in technology which we saw last time around um I'd suggest with the internet they take uh, much longer to impact than everybody thinks at first but the, the the nature of the impact is usually more profound than anybody expected and it, it impacts in ways nobody even thought possible so at the start of the in uh, the internet um, nobody was thinking about social media this was a whole new thing um, which sort of appeared halfway through the development of the internet I mean just to show how slow it's been in the travel space it it took over a quarter of a century um, over 25 years for travel to be mostly booked online it's only just over half of travel is currently booked online so it's taken a long while to i mean if it was a revolution it was certainly a very slow revolution that we've seen through the internet and i think ai is going to be similar um now we're in full sort of hype cycle at the moment with artificial intelligence um these large language models in the, the chat GPTs, and uh, there's um, Google's variant, which is barred. Um, and there's a, a whole bunch of others. Um, so they've suddenly caught the imagination, but AI has been around since the eighties, really. Um, but it's now re- beginning to sort of look like a meaningful uh, thing um, for, for business. Um, at a conference I was at a few weeks ago, um, CMS General Real Estate one, um, Jeremy White the UK Executive Editor of Wired he was talking about um ai and how it, views on it can be split into three groups uh, first is that people can think of it like an iphone moment which occurs every 15 years second is could be like pcs or semiconductors a profound change that happens once every 50 years and he said the third view is that it will be like skynet in the terminator films which we've all got to hope isn't the case actually but uh, what is what it's worth my, my own view is I think we're I'm, I'm somewhere on that second one that it's, it's a very profound change that happens you know it, it's going to be like PCs or semiconductors are really it's really going to shake things up um and we've no real idea quite where it's going to go or what it's going to do but it's going to be pretty big um now we've made the point about these technological shifts taking much longer but being more impactful um and and the other thing and that we've seen when we have major technology come into play is that there's this sort of myth that uh, emerges that oh this is an opportunity for the smaller <laughs> companies to compete oh the, the level, level playing field, field, field with yes, the big yes. companies and yeah. and uh, yeah yeah and then we've always said this is nonsense and you know it, what in the reality is that this is it, what it only further tilts the playing field towards the uh, the big companies and this is very much going to be the case with uh ai i think um so um frank reeves um he's now chief evangelist at shr he um, sold his company avio to um shr um and he's uh, sort of expert on the whole uh, website. He says AI is going to be critical in developing websites, in particular, enabling websites to be able to track what uh, users are doing and how they come back. And he gave the example that you know, if North American leisure travel, um, if 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 a family in North America is booking something in in Europe, it takes five days on average for that booking to, to take place. And you know repeated uh visits to the same website so you know websites have to evolve so that they can respond and recognize that somebody's coming back and he said you know one of the big frustrations is that all you get is uh, sort of um, book direct well you know they don't they only need to be told that once or maybe twice they don't need to be told that every time they they come and have a look it's just annoying and doesn't look very responsive um but that's just you know an obvious way in which ai is going to help in terms of how they can how it can adjust you know what websites look like and feel like but there's going to be myriad other ways and I rather suspect that it it is those tech enabled companies um, or tech focused companies rather like the OTAs that are going to be in the best place to exploit this opportunity again I think the bigger um, hotel brand companies will you know being a reasonable chance to hold their own but uh, i do think this is going to be uh, a tailwind for the OTS. now it's time for our five star,
0: low star awards of the week and uh, we're giving five stars this week to london which has topped deloitte's latest european investor survey as the most attractive hotel investment destination and it's knocked uh, amsterdam off the top spot amsterdam's been there for the last six years so uh, uh, suddenly feeling feeling the pinch uh, perhaps that's the result of that uh, restriction on hotel development in the city centre who knows uh, but uh, well done to London uh, back on top
1: and the nose stars is that recession clouds are finally gathering unfortunately and uh, so the eurozone uh, uh, q3 saw a very very slight 0.1% contraction um, in the UK. We flatlined our GDP growth um, for the, the three months to the end of September. So this is, um, you know, we. It's likely that we could well see technical recessions in both the UK and the eurozone. Um, by the year end which is which is bad news the silver lining i guess is that this means that we will actually we've clearly i think got to the the peak of the interest rate tightening cycle and we may see some cuts and there's even every cloud there we go on that
0: we'll say goodbye for now